Hello, welcome to Hattrick. I'm Jordan Dollar Coltman, joined by Elliot Tanti and Braden Dollar Coltman. Another busy week in the sports world. Uh, we got lots to talk about. Uh, how you guys doing? First off, um, you know, first week of March. Yeah, Good first week of years. March. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's we're here now. We're in March. It, it's some um, February is always so quick. I don't know about you guys, but February just happens, and it is the shortest month. They say. Yeah, I'd prefer if it didn't uh, snow two feet uh, on like the first week of March, like it decided to this week here in Edmonton. But uh, other than that, yeah, happy to be in March for sure. Yeah, no, no snow here. Uh, no snow out here in Vancouver. All right, here's topic one. All right, uh, we spent a, a good deal of time last week talking about some of the examples of sports organizations and leagues um, federations, all of that, uh, talking about or talking about how they had been imposing sanctions, uh, or uh, sanctions is the wrong word. That's a bit too political. But in, uh, um, protesting, obviously, the aggression of Russia invading Ukraine, um, which is obviously the top news story everywhere right now, as it should be. Um, but the sports world responded. Lots of teams and organizations pulling out of tournaments in Russia, removing tournaments completely from Russia. The Formula One calendar removing the Russian Grand Prix. Uh, we talked about different sports um, and how they were sort of uh, changing their stance on uh, their relationship with Russia and how we felt, I think, overall that this was a positive thing to see. There was some level of unity in that, uh, even as we were, it was kind of fluid at the time. It looked like FIFA might continue to be what FIFA usually does and kind of drag their feet. They did. However, in the end, even after we recorded, they did make some big um, decisions about removing Russia from World Cup qualifying and things like that, which I think is positive uh, as far as putting pressure on the, you know, the, the regime in Russia, whether or not we see it have any impact or not, I think is yet to be seen. However, there's a secondary part to that conversation. We wanted to have that this week. And that's the like more individual impact of this whole situation on Russian born players playing abroad. Um, the, the way in which certain athletes are being treated and, and, you know, rightfully or wrongfully, I suppose from your, from anyone's perspective, um, how that, how this whole political, um, situation is, is affecting them. The examples I'll give are, are Nikita Mazepin, obviously the F1 driver, um, formerly of Haas, lost his seat this week um, due to this situation. They, they did not feel comfortable allowing him to represent Russia in Formula One. He drove for Haas, which was, whose primary sponsor, Ural Crane, was a Russian oil company um, who also had their uh, sponsorship um, contract terminated. They had their sponsorship removed from all of Haas's cars on the last day of testing in Barcelona last week. That was sort of the indication this was going to happen. And obviously Nikita Mazepin, who has a very close relationship to this said oil company as it is owned by his father, who is a Russian oligarch. So it, it kind of felt like uh, inevitable that this was going to happen. But we're starting to see this impact on, on how we're seeing other Russian athletes treated. Uh, obviously, the NHL came out and admitted that they are spending money on security, uh, upping security surrounding uh, several of their teams that have um, larger numbers of Russian players on them to, to ensure that their safety is protected, um, that no one chooses to lash out at them. And then from the sports world, on the other side of it, we also had interesting news today uh, uh, um, out of Russia, 
which is interesting, an American-born and uh, WNBA star, um, Griner, well, Bri- Brianna Griner, I believe, was arrested at the airport trying to leave Moscow, where she's been playing internationally. Uh, she was accused of having cartridges for um, cannabis oil for a vape in her luggage. Uh, her lawyer has denied that she has those and believes they were planted there. Regardless, she's obviously now become a bit of a political hostage here from from Russia's side of it. And being such a high profile athlete, uh, you know, we need to bring it into this conversation. I'll go to Elliot first here. This feels a little bit like it was inevitable, considering what we already saw happening in terms of these um sports organizations trying to do their part um, to put pressure on Russia. But do you think that the treatment of these athletes and the consequences that some of them are facing personally is fair or, or justified? And do you think that um, in the long run, it will have any impact whatsoever? Um, you know, we said last week, and I just want to reiterate, you know, this is a terrible situation. And, and it's only gotten worse in the last seven days. And, and it's become it's very it's a very dangerous situation, too. And, and what you're seeing is heightened levels of emotion and, 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 and clearly that's starting to impact decisions uh, in spaces. The other thing I noted last week that I think is really important for this conversation is that it is incredibly, incredibly, incredibly dangerous to speak out against Vladimir Putin or the country of Russia if you are a Russian citizen, Russian born citizen or Russian in any way. And it doesn't matter whether you're in the country or outside of the country. His, his, um, uh, his ways of getting to you uh, are borderless. And so I really struggle uh, with any criticism of, uh, with criticism of Russian born uh, players or athletes uh, who are, are not speaking out. Some have made the decision too, and that's incredibly brave. But I, given, you know, you have family in Russia, you have assets in Russia, you have, you know, I, I, it's not a decision that I think anyone's taking lightly. And I would, I have a hard time criticizing athletes for not speaking out. That being said, the entire world's approach to Russia right now is to put the most, um, the massive amount of pressure on them as possible financially. Uh, and what we're talking about right now is an economic cold war that's occurring. And unfortunately, that includes everything and, 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 and uh, including athletes. And I think um, if it slows down, if it brings us one hour closer to the end of the war uh, without harming someone else, you know, killing someone else, uh, it's a tactic that's worth exploring. Uh, and I think putting pressure on Russian citizens abroad and, and athletes in particular financially, I understand why it doesn't seem fair. It's based on solely on where they're from uh, and not on their political affiliation, but it's an added level of pressure uh, on Russia to try and get this war stopped. And so um, it's a tactic that's that I would support. Braden? I completely agree. Uh, did you guys see what Don McCashick said in the news this week? He, he, he essentially came out saying the same thing, that it, uh, NHL should immediately suspend all Russian-born uh, NHL players. Uh, I'm with Elliot in that I agree it's not their fault, their affiliation to anything political that's happening. But um, if I mean, Putin loves hockey, if there's anything that's going to put a- added pressure on something for somebody that's just, you know, it's so terrible i feel like 
going all the going all the way with that is important. And I think that kind of speaks to what I was saying last week of if you're going if you're going to make an impact, then make an impact. And um, you know, I would only hope that it would encourage the athletes who are being who are Russian born. And if you know, if so, if they were to to be suspended, that there that they would feel compelled to say something, that they would feel compelled to to you know. It just, yeah. So, so essentially, Hashik was saying that you know, with if the NHL doesn't do anything, they're they're in an indirect co-responsibility for the dead in Ukraine. And just think that if if you're going to make an impact, then it's much more than you know, just a letter saying we don't we don't stand for this. I mean, I think Elliot, you bring up a really important point to all of this. You know, this is obviously a very fluid and very complicated situation. There are a lot of different eyes on all of these things and there's a lot of different messages being sent by the actions or inactions of all of these individuals right uh, the athletes themselves as we've pointed out on this show you know the first and really i think as far as i've found at least in, in terms of profile the, the only nhl player to really be pressed on this is has been alexander ovechkin because you know he has the largest russian profile of any hockey player probably any athlete he also playing still in North has a picture on his instagram with exactly Putin and himself no exactly and he's so what I was what, what what I was saying is I think that there are multiple messages being sent right he, he's playing to multiple audiences because again there are uh, there are a lot of factors in there we don't know the kind of relationship he he really has with um, Vladimir Putin or more importantly sort of the 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 political part of of Vladimir Putin so much as the fact that any of these athletes has uh, have been you know athlete, I said this last last show too athletes are often like public figures used as um as props uh, politically for uh authoritarian uh, regimes you know because they have these huge profiles there are you know massive fan followings in in those countries people admire them look up to them and so their opinion matters and that's why politicians and and in this case you know putin has wrapped himself around these individuals over time you know that's a strategy and, a, and something that the groundwork has been laid for years and years and years much like during the cold war in the soviet union you know the the red army and the the hockey team was a symbol of national pride because it was something that the state really put an effort into using as a propaganda arm of 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 their their organization. Um, the second part of that, I would also say, which I think is is a part of the calculation here for all of these athletes who may or may not be speaking up or choosing to, you know, there, there's a, a law that was just passed in, in Russia banning the spreading of what they're calling lies and propaganda. It's basically an anti-dissent law preventing anyone from expressing an opinion other than that of, of the government. It's designed to, you know, stamp out these protests, stamp out people, you know, uh, put the fear of, of prison in, in the minds of anyone who would speak up against against um, the regime, you know, uh, it's obviously a totalitarian um, sort of dictator move, but it is what it is. And it's not unlike we've seen before in Russia. So that's a factor too, right? And again, as Elliot said, you know, the, the, the long reach of the Kremlin does not stop at the Ukrainian border or at the Belarusian border or at any of Russia's, you know, national borders. They've, they've hurt uh, people who have uh, expressed dissent all over the world, um, you know, we've seen them poison people that don't agree with them. We've seen obviously Navalny and that whole situation. Um, so it's scary. I'm sure for a lot of those athletes, I think that unfortunately they are, they are the, the, 
sort of they're kind of been they've, they're being caught up in something that they I don't think most of them have much said. The thing I'll, I'll circle back to and I'll ask you this is we've only the only example I can find right now. And I did a little digging today of like an athlete actually strictly losing their job, having a turn tar, tar, like a contract terminated completely other than maybe a suspension or, or, or individual sport like tennis, where there's some Russian athletes who are choosing not to travel right now is Nikita Mazepin in F1. The question is, if, if Nikita Mazepin was a better driver, would he still have his job? Would he have been protected? <laughs> I think it comes down more so to, to if that car still had a sponsorship, he probably still would. The fact that they, they said we're not the the FIA said it's not even about the sponsorship. It's about the fact that there are, you can't showcase the the colors or the, some sort of, you know, like emblem or, or logo of the country. And their, their whole car was wrapped in uh, a blue, red and white uh, uh, Russian colors. And, and that's, so I, 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 I mean, I, maybe it's because he wasn't a good driver, but they committed to bringing him back. So I just mean it makes it easier to make that decision, does it not, Elliot? I think so. Yeah, just like anything else, there's, <laughs> there's, you know, there's, there's, it certainly simplifies things if uh, uh, you're not good. I mean, it's it's the same reason why, uh, you know, I don't think you're gonna see any Russian Russian players suspended from the NHL, for example, right? Um, although I think CCM did end their contract with a bunch of players. And yep. so some private companies have CCM has dropped Ovechkin as a client or as, yeah. a, as a sponsored face, I suppose they're still, he can still wear their equipment, obviously, but so there's, you know, there, there's some of that is, uh, you know, I, I'd rather see that rather than people not, um, uh, you know, being asked not to play and, and, and impacting things that way. Cause I think it just ruins the integrity of the game. Um, so, yeah, but if you're not like, I think it's, it's always nice when you can do something that virtue signals and also <laughs> is, uh, you know, helps the team be better. Yeah, certainly. Um, any last thoughts, Braden, on this? Do you think that uh, actually, you know what I'll do? I, I'd like you to, to maybe give us your perspective on this, this situation in Russia with this and um, WNDA player who's been kept there, obviously. How do you think this unfolds? I mean, it feels a little bit like, it feels very similar, I would say, to the, to the situation we saw recently here in Canada when um, uh, Meng Wanzhou was uh, uh, arrested and detained here in Vancouver, the Huawei executive um, uh, awaiting sort of deportation rules of the United States, and then China retaliated by ke- keeping the two Michaels in prison. Um, it feels kind of like that kind of political game we've seen before, but now it sort of hit the sports world side of it. Do you, um, how do you think this unfolds, and, and do you think this becomes a bigger problem? I have a feeling that they'll get, I'll get, I, th- I think that the crime doesn't, I don't think it's strong enough that they won't be able to get this athlete back. Well, apparently the it's a 10 year, it's a 10 year penalty. It's a 10 year sentence in, in, in Russia. Oh, I didn't for, know that. <laughs> I didn't know yeah, that. What she's been charged that's with pretty, could hold a 10, if convicted 10 years. So then, yeah, I mean, you, yeah, you've got, a, you've got a bit of a hostage situation. I don't know if necessarily you can call that, that with just i mean she she committed a crime under their acts but i i how did she get there with them i don't know she just wasn't found with them until later here's what i would say is i think russia is going to be being acting i think right now there's lots of tension and there there this is obviously a retaliatory move for some of the things the united states has been doing but I think Russia will have to be cautious with this situation because there are a number of sports leagues operating in Russia right now that are dependent on foreign board players. 
I'm thinking of the KHL and how many Canadian, particular Canadians are playing in Russia right now. Um, and if there's any sense that this is the way that the Russian government is going to start behaving uh, with them, you're going to have a mass exodus of people leaving Russia because they're worried about, uh, you know, this type of behavior and this type of thing. So I think, or maybe this is the warning to those players. If you try and leave, we're going to plant some evidence on you and, and we're, you're not going to be allowed to leave. Uh, maybe that's, maybe that, I mean, uh, Russia is so messed up. That that's, ins that's insinuating that it was planted too, though. Exactly. Exactly. That's fair, I guess. Um, so, but I think that, that, you know, they've got to negotiate this, they're negotiating a, a challenging thing because of how many foreign born players are in Russia right now. Yeah, I guess, again, uh, I feel like I've ended many segments in the last couple of months by saying this, but it, it's evolving and we, we shall see um, because none, none of this is concrete. Um, and again, our most important um, wishes are to the people of Ukraine, uh, to the victims of this just barbaric uh, war that is completely and utterly unnecessary. And we wish them um, peace as soon as possible. That is topic one. Topic two this week is brought to us by Ellipses Thinking. Ellipses Thinking is the newest podcast from the Ordinary Podcasting Network. Host Greg Deller-Coltman shares his conversations with people actively engaged in their own creative adventures, those who identify as artists, and those who choose to experience life through an artistic lens. They shed light on relationships that shape and inspire us as we meet the challenges, discoveries, and learnings we make when we courageously invite our creative spirit forth. The first two episodes of Ellipses Thinking drop this Friday, March 11th. You can subscribe or follow anywhere you get your podcasts. All right, we're going to have some fun here with topic two. Um, we haven't played a game on this show in a while, um, but that's kind of what this is. Uh, I, I set these two an assignment today to prepare uh, for this one. It has been interesting to listen to some of the news coming out of the the uh, major league baseball lockout uh, in terms of some of the things that are being negotiated or talked about just cuz as braden has pointed out you know these are situations where um rule changes or or structural changes often uh, get worked out if they um if they get worked out, uh, we certainly saw that in the NHL and the, 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 the full season wiped out by, by a lockout um, at the beginning of the 2000s led to probably the, some of the biggest structural changes, you know, rule changes, things like, you know, the delay of game penalty for shooting the puck over uh, out of the defensive zone, uh, the trapezoid coming in behind the, 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 the goalies net as you know, a couple examples, as well as just the way rules were being enforced Um hooking grabbing all of those obstruction penalties but the one thing that also hasn't changed a lot over time is the way we track and keep statistics in sports that has been sort of one of the through lines uh historically throughout sports that allows us to compare eras right you look back at michael jordan well what's the first thing you're looking at it's the stats right maybe it's the championships but then it's the stats and you look at baseball and you think about the fact that in baseball for the, almost over a century, most people haven't been able to throw a ball much faster than like 108 at the top ever, right? Dang. Like 100 miles per hour has been basically as fast as human beings have been throwing a ball for as long as baseball has been playing. So the stats on pitching and hitting actually track historically pretty well. Now, that doesn't mean every statistical category in every sport works, seems fair, 
or even make sense. And that's what we're going to get into. So it's hat trick. There's three things we're going to talk about. Each one of us has picked a stat we do not like, a stat we want to chuck out, get rid of. It's garbage. The, the stat we don't like. Second, what is the stat you do not understand? It's there. You know it means something. But every time someone brings it up in a game or anytime you look at a stat, you're like, what the heck does this mean? The stat you don't get. And thirdly, the stat that does not exist, but you wish did. All right. You know, we're going to rewrite the rules. You go back to the beginning of, of sports statistics and you get to add something. So that's kind of the game. All right. We'll go around the, around the horn here. Each one of us getting a chance to, to, to do each one of these. Let's start with the ones we don't like. Let's get them out of the way because they're, I mean, as I said, they shouldn't be here at all. I'll go first if, you, if, you, if you'll indulge me. Yeah. I'll tee us off here. I do not like, and I think I've talked about this on the show. I think both of you know where I'm going. I do not like, just think it's an absolutely broken statistic. It's not that I don't understand it. I just don't like it. The second assist in hockey. It has no place statistically. It overinflates points. It makes players who are just the guy dumping the puck in somehow just as valuable as the guy who makes the perfect tape to tape backhand pass on a two on one. It's not right. No other major sport has a second assist category. Hockey stands alone as a way to help pad and fluff some of these, you know, uh, deep roster guys to make them feel better about themselves at the end of their career when they're like, wow. hey, look, I averaged 20 points points a, a season even though truth be told they were great at dumping the puck in the second assist has no business existing it is a useless stat that is the one I what if get rid of. what if they second started assist. is there room for debate here or of course <laughs> no i cede the floor what if they make I, what if the person who pat who who gets that second assist what if that person was the one that really started the play like initiated that that scoring play from happening yeah and i that's Again, like, I would say, I think that it's not every, well, every play has somebody a moment before the actual assist, uh, the person, you know, passing the puck made right. some play that that's, that's called the, the, the way the game is played. Every, every okay, play okay. could be good and useful, but it's a dumb statistic. We might as well just hand it out to every player who touched the puck on that drive. So I think, I think we should be adding actually a third assist. <laughs> and oh God, I think I we should have six. I'd like to see. I think you should be able to get an assist on your own goal. Oh, uh, yeah, there you go. The guy, and then he passes it back to you, and you score. That's that's two points in my books. It's one goal, but you should get two points on that. It makes well, you know what? Sense. You should, based on these rules, you're absolutely right, Elliot. That should be an assist, which is why this is dumb. Okay, All so right? this leads me into my statistic right. that I think is dumb. And that's the plus minus statistic. Oh. Again, again. <laughs> It's like you either get a goal or you get an assist. A plus minus is like just your participation. Like, thanks for being on the ice when this happened. But what, how does that actually help anything in terms of coaching or in terms of tracking players' ability? I completely agree. It can go, the two of them can go out the back door <laughs> and be run over by a Zamboni together. I agree with you completely, Brayden, and I'll, I'll take it a step further. The part about the minus that is so stupid yeah. is that literally a guy could turn the puck over at the opponent's blue line. It turns into a two on one. He jumps off the ice and he's not a minus on that play. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It is such so, a broken statistic. So the other thing, so plus minus is minus all too. I hate plus minus, yeah, but I'll okay. go, I'll take this in another direction. And why I hate it is because so many old gray beard sports writers 
love it and point to it as like some some god stat that to defend their their eye test of of players <laughs> hockey and use it as like a substitute as a pushback against you know much analytics data in their blog posts and i just the moment you include someone's plus minus as a justification for your article i stop reading your article because it's not a legitimate stat and i uh I, I hate it. So I'm with you on that, but I, okay. I hate it because it's just. So that was, that was going to be yours. Yes, Elliot. Yeah. Okay. So just to keep this clean so that there's three of them, I'm going to give you my runner up and you can, you can claim it as your own. You probably won't agree with it, but I'm going to make it. So I don't think that the passing yard statistic in um, football is right. And it's not that I think it's not a good statistic. I think that it's broken. And let me explain mm-hmm. when a, quarterback passes the ball 10 yards and it's caught by a player who then runs an additional 30 yards the quarterback gets credit for passing the ball 40 yards yeah he didn't well, he passed he did. it 10 yards and this is and like the yak yards existed this is it's like dumb assist. though i want these statistics to be more pure to the actual <laughs> so result that he gets a he gets uh, passing yards and then the player gets rushing yards on that play. Well, they yak do, yards. Yeah, they do track it, yak. Yeah. That's yards. already being tracked, but yak. why is it added to whoa, the quarterback? It's called yak. Yak. Yeah, yak yards, yards after, after catch. Yak yards. What? It's just, that's a slang term for it. So the thing is, Jordan, I, I, like I guess somewhat where you're talking about. However, the quarterback, if the quarterback leads the receiver, that gives him and makes a good throw, that gives him the opportunity to continue to run. Whereas if you throw up behind the receiver and the receiver has to stop or change directions, then it, it, it that impacts the yards after catch and, and the play. That's my sure, sure. But again, so then there's a flaw in that statistic though, because it, it, we like just like the second assist thing, sometimes the second assist is a beautiful, really important play. Most of the time it's not in this situation. It's like, we're rewarding the quarterback for something a different player is actually doing. Right. So yes, he may lead him, but how many times is a quarterback throwing the ball to the back shoulder of a wide receiver? He makes a really good catch, makes contact with the defender, breaks the tackle and actually then goes and makes the play. He should be the only one I think responsible for what that is. And if you, if you think about the value or importance of statistics at the end of the day, it's to help us evaluate those players. And if we're, I think it's an overinflation, I guess is what I would say. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, I think if I'm not as, I'm not as sold on getting rid of it as the second assist one, which is why that's what I went with, but I think it's all, it should be in there. It's an honorable mention at least it's broken outsized weight to quarterbacks that have strong receivers particularly receivers that are good with the ball in their hand for sure for sure let me use it you see that with tight ends right tight ends are like right uh, that's like their main thing is that lots of yards after the catch because and lots of contact because of just the nature of their position Uh, and so teams with good tight ends have inflated passing yards for sure all right so let me use this to to pivot uh, bounce off the tackle and, and move up into the uh, offensive zone here, uh, mixing metaphors to give you my, um, I just do not understand statistic. All right. Uh-huh. Quarterback rating. Yeah. Okay. Mm. This is, this is, this is the most convoluted. I tried to actually read an article the other day explaining this. I still don't understand it. The, I don't get what It's I a mathematical it. equation uh-huh. based on several statistics that are used to evaluate a quarterback's performance in the game by assigning them a single like number grade as opposed to 
someone taking five minutes to read all the statistics. That's what this is. This is this oversimplification wow. of what a quarterback's game looked like. And again, I think it's broken because some of the stats that are used to calculate quarterback rating feel very flawed to me. They don't tell, it's, it seems like what Elliot was complaining about with the plus minus thing is it, it feels like somebody was like, I need a simpler way to say this in a column. And so they simplified it and made it a little bit like, I don't know. It, it just feels Frankensteinish to me. Elliot, you're our resident NFL fan. Do you want to defend it? Or do you feel like I do where it, this just doesn't make any sense? No. I mean, once you kind of know it, then you can kind of get a sense of, of what it means. But the other weird thing is it's on a scale of zero to 158.3 is the best you can do. So like, <laughs> I, I don't know, you know, anyway, that's, that's the other thing. It's I'll a stat say. made in the lab by a bunch of uh, yeah. pencil pushing statistician, statisticians easy for me to say. Uh, and it just completely feels like, like what on earth is this supposed to be? I'm so smart. I understand football really good. Yeah, it sounds like a Madden, uh, a Madden statistic, not, not a NFL statistic. It's a big thing in Madden. Yeah. Like it All right, Braden, Braden, what's the stat you do not understand? Well, it's funny you mentioned that statistic again, because this is the exact, it actually is the exact same statistic in Major League Baseball, and that's the war statistic. It stands for wins. I got to look. I have to look wins it up. Wins above replacement. What the hell war. is that statistic? I love war. Oh, gosh. Essentially... <laughs> It's the same thing. It's like you you have all these other statistics that make up your wins above replacement rating. Yeah. Why why have all the other statistics then? Elliot, if, you want so, to defend war? The, the war stat I love because it's it's like it's like peak fancy stat thing. Basically, what it's <laughs> saber metrics is, is how much better is this person than the most average baseball player. <laughs> how many more wins? Why is, is that a statistic? No, but how many more wins is this guy responsible for than the average baseball player <laughs> on your team? I don't, but I don't know how it's devised, but I love the idea that you're just like, there's there's some like baseline baseball player that's like the war zero. And Joey then baseball. <laughs> that's it yeah so it what makes it up batting runs base running runs fielding runs positional adjustment league adjustment and replacement runs yeah it's another one of these frankenstein statistics where someone and again it's one through couldn't six be bothered six couldn't be bothered to analyze a player yeah using a specific stat so they just made an amalgamation thinking it would it would oversimplify it um elliot what's your i don't and understand it's park and league adjusted I gotta say, like yeah, it, yeah. it's everything <laughs> is in factor for this. If there's a steady wind coming in from the east, that's right. No, but yes, there's guys that a sunny day war in like in Toronto, for example, right? right. Yeah. Yeah. Mine is also baseball, and it's slugging percentage, which mm. is like you have your 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 average, and then you have your on base percentage, and then yeah. you have this slugging percentage. <laughs> tell you about how they make up the the <laughs> it's the number of uh first base or base hits plus two times the number of doubles plus three times the number of triples plus home runs times four all over at bats <laughs> <laughs> 
it's like it's like if hockey was like okay so let's add the next three goals and subtract four of the penalties from no Braden. you know what it is is it's goals against (laughs) it's the goals against average stat which is equally sort of broken because it's such a silly statistic average if there's an empty net I think like, it does, does count against like that. Goal no, again? it doesn't count against that goal. It couldn't count. count. But but it's okay. But baseball has a few of these. Baseball has these weird mathematical equations. War is one of them. This is the other one. But you know the other stat in baseball that could have come up in the first topic. I'll make it another honorable mention. Wins, oh. wins yeah. for a pitcher. You oh, can play pitcher, how yeah. many innings, and all of a sudden you do or don't have a win based yeah. on what the rest of your team does while you're sitting on the bench sipping on a Gatorade. I mean, the whole thing is completely broken. There's all the only other place I can think of is like a goalie's wins record, right? But a goalie has to play most like the entire game just to get it. I don't, I don't understand when it isn't a win and when it is a win. The team can win, but the pitcher sometimes doesn't win, and sometimes the pitcher does win even if uh, he left. You know, he has to leave the game with his team leading. Is it something like that? Or he gets a no decision. There's a no decision that you I can have a no decision. It's not a boxing match. And the other thing is the goalies one is weird though in hockey because you can play less minutes in the game, but still get credit for the win or the loss. It depends on what happens in the score of the game. Like if right. you come in, if you get, you get pulled and someone else comes in, you, if your team then ties it and then still loses, then you get the loss. Like there's weird stuff in there. Yeah, those ones are weird ones. Um, all right, let's jump to our last category because we don't need this to become uh, a, a statistical anomaly too as our longest uh, segment ever. This one is um, the stat you wish existed. So the yeah. stat you wish was kept in one of these sports. I'll go first. And mine is a stat that I think could exist in a few sports. It could exist in soccer. It could exist in basketball. And it could exist in hockey. Those are the three team sports I can think of right now. There's probably others. I would like them to track dives and flops. I want to know who the most, uh, because they, they do keep now like in deep analytics, at least in the NHL, it's like penalties drawn, right? They like yeah. to see which players draw the most penalties. The how many of those has fouls taken and stuff like that. Right. But I want to know how many times did a player flop? Obviously either get, maybe it's it, like, do we track which players get called for the embellishment in the hockey. I don't think that's a, a trackable statistic, oh, yeah. but it should be not just that they got penalized for it, but that it's a trackable statistic. But I think that we should now have spotters who are making decisions based on whether or not a player flopped. Well, they do. We do. And they're all sitting at home watching on TV. I know, but I want it as a trackable stat. I want to know who the greatest <laughs> flopper of all credit. Time is. I'm sure you'll find it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm just saying, I want one guy to get up there for his hall of fame, speech and be able to say you know i'm really proud of my ability to flop <laughs> all right that's mine brayden what do you have for the stat you wish existed that doesn't uh, currently i i was just thinking of one um i i i mean i think it would be interesting not that it really relates to how uh, the ability to play but but somehow finding a way to integrate coaching stats would be intriguing you know? other than like, i know losses, that, you mean yeah, other than wins and losses, like so I tracking wanted, coaches that have like the highest penalty power play or the highest penalty killing percentages. I guess, or I guess like that. that counts as team stuff, but uh, yeah, I think. But you couldn't look it up. Like, to... could you tell me what the average penalty kill for you know Mike Babcock's Detroit uh, Red Wings were in a certain season? You could do but that, it, but overall his career is that what you're talking about? Yeah, game by game too. I'd be interested. Or like even like how many times he shuffles the lines, like interesting, kind of yeah, thing. or misses a timeout, or yeah, 
I like this. I like this idea that, that we should be tracking coaching stats. We give them an award at the end of the season, just like they're a participant. And then when they win best coach of the year for the Raptors, you, they fire the guy. So the next there's season. gotta be and then deep yeah. statistics that led to something so heinous. All right. Uh, well, they did win a championship without him. <laughs> they did. They did. But that was because Dwayne Casey built that team. And then no, it's because they coach. traded for uh, Kawhi yeah, Leonard. Well, Let's that be was honest. The, yeah, that was the turning point. The TSN turning the point. The turning but, point. I'm pretty sure he's the, the, he was kind of the catalyst to that one. Anyway, we don't need to get into the weeds on this. Elliot, what is your wish it existed statistic? Yeah, this might exist. I, I kind of want it to just be more readily available. And it's something that soccer does really well which is track the distance in which players travel throughout a game. So, you know, you can go oh, yes. oh. after a soccer game and the soccer players ran seven kilometers. Yeah, that would be awesome. Would well, you, you kind of track it with ice time, right? Yeah, to an extent, but I think the actual distance, like wouldn't you like to know the distance that Darnell Nurse skates when he yes. has a 31-minute game? That's you know? a great idea. Yeah. Do, and do you subtract them for backwards? Uh... <laughs> yeah, no. And then I think you, you could get really interesting with it and you could track how much was backwards and how much was forwards. I think in NBA, same thing, you know, you could get some good information in terms of uh, distance traveled up and down the, the court. Uh, and, you know, in football it would be really interesting to see too, because some of those receivers in the course of a game, like they're running routes, every route, every play, they're not always mm-hmm. getting the ball and they're all not always getting uh well, they're getting lots of passing yards. Touches, but they're getting lots of passing yards. But but they're actually running a fair bit with a, oh, and, yeah. and and not getting passed to right as part of designs and things like that. I think it'd be interesting to kind of track how far people the distance a, a professional athlete travels in a game, uh, and then imagine over a year. Well, I'm going to tell you, I know that that statistic exists, like the the data, I should say, exists because this season, I think last year too, was the first couple of years that the NHL has in. It, has implemented the trackers in jerseys so that the league and teams are, are, are given data on all of their players um, on ice time. So I'm sure that, that that does exist. And you're right. It would be an interesting statistic to be able to actually track because ice time means one thing, but actual like, you know, distance travel would be certainly interesting. Yeah, like, I mean, Connor, you know, Connor and Lena and uh, or Darnell might play, let's say, the same ice time, but that game looks very different. I think, right? Like Connor's got two big, you know, and, and there's a lot more lateral with uh, defense. So I think it's just interesting. All right. I think we've done a pretty good job running through the stat book here. Uh, maybe we'll bring this back in the future when things come up again that we, we want to, other statistics that we, we dig into. Give us your suggestions. You can uh, hit us up on Instagram or Twitter with any stats that you absolutely dis, just can't handle. Get it out of the sport. Stats you don't understand or stats you wish existed. All right, that is our topic two, and we'll uh, be right back with Hats Off. Hey, if you're a fan of Hattrick Sports, then I promise you, you are going to love the Backyard Basketball Podcast. Hattrick's very own Braden Dollar Coltman sits down every Wednesday with his best bud, Christian Steck. And together, they break down all the news, rumors, transactions from around the basketball world. Whether it's the NBA or college hoops, these two guys love talking basketball, and you are going to love listening every Wednesday on the Backyard Basketball Podcast. All right. Uh, we're going to do hats off. Um, uh, I'll go first, get it out of the way here. Uh, we talked at the first topic about, um, obviously, Ukraine, the war in Ukraine. Um, there's been a, 
an interesting side story in sports of a very inspirational young tennis player um, competing um, under the blue and yellow of Ukraine. Um, just a, you know, a, a feel a good story in a world of not a lot of, of, of positivity. Uh, Dianya Astremska is a young uh, female tennis star. She's just really been uh, inspiring um, to, to see her go through this whole process. Obviously, she had started a tournament in Lyon, France, before uh, the events of last week when, when, when Russia invaded Ukraine. And obviously, a lot of eyes went to her as one of the these you know, Ukrainian athletes competing outside of, uh, of the conflict and, and, and whether or not she would continue and all of those things. She um, has been winning. Uh, she's now found herself in the final at Lyon, which is fantastic. Uh, she's been drawing huge crowds and huge support. She announced, I believe, after her quarterfinal uh, match, I want to say maybe it was even before she made the, the quarterfinals, that every um, all of her prize money from this tournament she was, she was planning to donate. She encouraged her fellow competitors to do the same, donate the, it towards... Um, relief efforts in Ukraine. So, you know, a, a feel good story, uh, a, an uplifting story of someone, you know, um, pursuing their passion and, and love in the face of what I'm sure has been a very stressful and very emotional time for her watching what's happening in her, in her home country. Um, you know, she's only 21 years old, um, but she's trying to use her platform to um, spread um, peace and love and, and to also spread um, the winning that she, she, most likely will will find herself with as the even the runner up here uh, to a good cause. So um, you can go check that out. Uh, I think the final, I believe the finals Monday at the Leon. Uh, uh, I guess it's just the WTA event happening in Leon. Anyway, um, my hat goes off to Diana Yastrensky. Elliot. Yeah, I'm going to stick with tennis and stick with women's tennis as well too, and can offer my congratulations to Layla Fernandez who defended her title at the uh, Monterey Open uh, today, uh, won 6-7, in a three-hour affair, uh, her second WPT, uh, WTA um, uh, event win. And, uh, you know, we've said this before, I'll say it again, uh, the future for Canadian tennis looks bright. 19 years old, uh, congratulations, Layla, and... Uh, and, and way to get the win this week. I'm, my hat is going off to uh, one of the greatest basketball coaches to ever play, uh, to ever coach. If only we had all of his statistics. Uh, we have a few, which in the name of the uh, show today, I will list off a few 47 years for coach K coach Krzyzewski of the Duke Blue Devils. Uh, he played for, or he coached 47 years. I keep wanting to say play because he was so pivotal for, for what came out of that, uh, that team, but um, some notable statistics here. He won uh, five national titles, uh, eight Olympic medals, three of uh, three consecutive gold medals, uh, 12 final four appearances, he had 35 NCAA tournament bursts, 68 uh, Blue Devils were selected in the NBA draft, three of them being number one overall picks, and a total of, uh, I think he was just shy uh, of 1,200 uh, career games in the NCAA. Uh, so hats off to one of the best coaches out there, Coach K. He was the uh, Olympic coach for years and years too, was he not? That's about it. Yeah, I just, yep, just mentioned that. 
Sorry, I, I, I may have, I just missed you saying that. But yeah, because he, he was the eight, guy. Eight medals. Eight medals, that's right, that's right. Yeah. The dream team. Wow, yeah, no, a heck of a career. And I, I mean, unfortunate for them, I, I don't believe they won their last game there. I think UNC upset them, but. Uh, they, yeah, but he was, yeah. Sure, it was won. a very emotional, <laughs> emotional night for him, but he's not done because March Madness is coming, which we were going to get to uh, either next week or in an upcoming episode. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll dig into to March Madness as, uh, as, as it gets ready to roll. Um, that's our show for this week. Thank you, Elliot. Thank you, Braden, as always. Um, we said it before. We'll say it again. Obviously, you know our our um, best wishes and hope and prayers for the people of Ukraine. If you can, uh, if you're in a position to, obviously, send more than just your emotional support. There are a lot of great organizations. Um, f- seek one out, find one, even if it's just the Red Cross. Um, that you can to support your friends. Lots of Ukrainians in this country. I know it's a difficult time for all of them, um, but we wish them well. We hope for peace and uh, a, a swift resolution to this situation. We will be back next week with another big show. Um, a reminder, there are two really exciting uh, updates from the Ordinary Podcasting Network this week. This Friday, uh, you heard an ad for it earlier. We have a brand new show coming to the network, uh, Ellipses Thinking. Go check it out. Go subscribe. Um, follow wherever you get your podcast two episodes to launch the show this Friday and then it'll be every Friday moving forward and then uh, coming next Tuesday the very first episode of the brand new feed of the Pit Stop podcast lots to talk about as the F1 season gets going Braden will bring us that show uh, next Tuesday brand new host joining it Tyler Walzak and I believe Elliot Tanti might be featured in that season preview we will see All of that and more you can find on the Ordinary Podcasting's website. That is OrdinaryPodcasts.com. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And that's Hattrick. Hattrick is a member of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. It's produced every week by Jordan Dyler-Coltman and Braden Dyler-Coltman. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for listening. To acknowledge that the lands on which our conversations take place include Treaty 6 territory, the traditional meeting ground and home for many indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Dene, Soto, Blackfoot, Metis, and the Nakota Sioux peoples, as well as the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. We acknowledge the many First Nations, Metis, and Inuit, whose footsteps have marked these lands for generations. And we extend our appreciation for the opportunity to live, create, and share stories on these territories. The Ordinary Podcasting Network intends to engage in conversations and dialogue, which acknowledge that reconciliation is not a destination, but a journey, and that we remain committed to practicing our craft in a decolonized space.